So this is the Well Brewed Podcast, where we share our 40-plus years of commercial brewing experience to help fellow beer lovers on their journey of building a brewery. Full disclosure, we own a brewery equipment business, but we aren't here to sell you anything. This is truly about helping the industry we love. So g'day, and welcome to the Well Brewed Podcast. My name's Lockie, and I'm normally here with my mates Clemmie and Jake, drinking fresh local beer and chatting about building breweries, but today... We have something a little bit different for you. Um, we're here chatting with one of the owners and head brewer from one of Australia's best up-and-coming breweries, talking about their respective journeys and offering a different perspective about starting and operating a brew pub. So welcome to the potty, uh, Sarah and Charlie from Woolgooga Brewing. Hi, guys. Hey, mate. Cheers. Thanks for having us. No worries. Thanks for thanks for taking the time to join. Now, um, I actually made the trek down to Whoopi uh, to brew a beer with Charlie and thought we'd use this opportunity to get together and put something different together for the podcast. But uh, you might notice I'm not actually in Whoop Whoop um, because Charlie and I spent most of the time shooting the shit and drinking beer and we uh, ran out of time to get anything together. So this is maybe seven days later than when we actually brewed. Um, Beer's probably bubbling away behind you. Yeah, it's going, uh, it's ticking along all right, mate. Yeah, going well, going well. Beautiful. I'll get a uh, gravity update uh, from you shortly. Um, but I guess some more pressing matters. Um, what are you guys drinking? You're having a beer or? Yes, we are. Uh, One of Charlie's finest. Beautiful. What, what have you got? The um, the Altered State Wedding Bells. So that's uh, Mosaic Simcoe Citra um, Pale that I gave you when you are down here. Beautiful. Yeah, what a cracker. Um, Freaking spurly. I didn't actually uh, take any beer away, so I managed to get some gallows trapdoors <laughs> west coast. So it's um, probably as close to local beer to what you guys are doing. Uh, they're friends of the brewery, aren't they? Absolutely. Yes. Those guys make a great beer. We've got their sour on tap at the moment. It's delicious. There you go. Very good. So i hmm. been sipping on that while I've been uh, tapping away, writing some stuff for this. So, But I think, um, so Chazza, we actually go back a fair way. Um, more than a decade. Like, why don't we kick things off? You can share a bit about your journey uh, getting to brewing and maybe a bit about our history, and I might just butt in and if you get anything wrong or uh, make me out to be the bad guy at any yeah. stage. So. Butt out, mate. Let me go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we go back a long way. It's, uh, we had, uh, obviously had a bit of a laugh and a joke about it when you hear that you, you're one of only two or three people that actually call me Chazza um, anywhere. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Did I just call you Chazza then? Yeah, so it always, always gives me a chuckle. Jake, obviously, and, and Muhundan, another ex-Gage guy. Um, so yes. big love to Muhu if he's listening, which he better be. He better uh, be, mate. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we go back. I guess our history to start with goes back to, I mean, I started the Gage in 06. Um, mm-hmm. So still a very small family-orientated business then with... Um, yeah, Big Billy and, and, and John Hodemaker and uh, Peter Nolan, um, Aaron Heary, uh, when he was still a young, fresh-faced young man. Um, uh, Josh Blythe, who you've worked with as well. So, um, yeah, we were still only a small operation then. Um, yeah, so yeah, obviously things have grown. Um, we were probably peaking when, when you got on board, just in time to yeah, beat you with the big stick. Um, yes, welcome indeed. to professional brewing young man um <laughs> yeah that's it i think i rolled through like early 2010 i think and um it come from retail liquor and i just stood behind a counter all day and thought the idea of making beer was cool for whatever reason that was and um yeah a bit of a rude shock coming into a harsh production environment 
um, working with yourself. You cracking the whip. Yeah, there's uh, plenty of that. Um, yes. And you responded well, um, which anyone that knows you probably know you don't mind the odds cracking of the whip. So, yeah. Um, either at From either end. <laughs> um, but yeah. But, yeah, I guess going back before then, you know, something we've touched on off camera as well, you know, I started, I mean, I, I started homebrewing in the late 90s when I was still work, working up in the Midwest um, mining. Um, yeah, had some interesting interesting experiences with that. What, what was your homebrew kit like in the late 90s? What were you doing for fermentation control, et cetera? Um, a spare room. Right, very nice. Um, and it was... It, you know, Funded facility just in case anything went bad, but um, yeah, I ended up moving up to a um, the thermostat controlled fridge. Um, so yeah, yeah it was reasonably highbrow for a little while there, but um, but yeah, and then um, yeah, I guess uh, we won't go into the, the hows and whys of it all, but I was, I was certainly looking at starting a family around the sort of late 90s, and um, a job popped up as a seller hand or for a seller hand at Horton Wines, which is um, I don't really know how they're going these days, but um. Yeah, Western Australia's oldest and largest um, winery of the, the, the time. So, yeah, actually spent a fair bit of time working in the cellars or what we refer to as the dungeons. Um, yeah. Underneath a yeah, very, very old building uh, where Moondyne Joe, one of WA's most famous bush rangers, was actually caught. Um, yeah, right. quite, quite well inebriated. I think he broke in, got hammered and got busted. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Not, how, so, not so smart. No, no, I don't know. Um, yeah, how much truth is in that story? But yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And I guess I learned my seller trade at Hortons as well. You know, when you're in a big operation like that, when you've got banks of hundred thousand liter tanks or whatever that is in in hectoliters, I don't even know what that is. What's hundred thousand liters in thousand hecky? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, we had some some big tanks there. You know, we had earth filters that would run at forty five thousand liters an hour. Um, <laughs> you know, a huge. Yeah. You know, a huge that was as big as. You know, we had a massive fuse. Um, you know, that would filter ten or fifteen kL an hour as well. So, yeah, um, yeah it taught me a lot. So yeah, I was pretty well versed. And yeah, when I applied for the gig at at Gage, I think I probably told you off camera as well. That was down to me and another um, who's now. A bit of a WA icon um, to who got that gig, and um, yes, can you can you share that name or you you uh, don't, don't want to be public? If it's true or not? But, um, huh? but yeah, yeah, putting two and two together, I believe it was old mate Mouse Corrible. Um, who was, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But Matzo's in Broome, and obviously has spent time at Colonial, um, Indian Ocean, and yeah, the Monk. Yep. I think he was at the Monk Brewing for a little while as well. Yes, um, and you, so, yeah, um, you you. You pipped him at the post, eh? On that, I, I believe uh, so. Uh, I believe. <laughs> we can fact check that. Actually, yeah. I'll call Mal afterwards and yeah. <laughs> check his side of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, it might not be, not, might not be true at all. But given the information I had, that's who I. Yeah, it might be so, a little bit me bigging myself up too, maybe. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that, man. <laughs> um, I think um, we actually have another connection um, through Hortons. Because they uh, they built their large production facility in Nanup, actually on a block that they bought off my family farm. Um, so we're a little bit more entwined than uh, than maybe we we first thought. But um, yeah, well, I didn't actually know that. Obviously, I knew we moved down to Nanup with um, yeah some boozy cricket trips down to Nanup, some interwinery cricket trips on the Nanup Oval. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's where I uh, played all my school school sports. But. Um, I think uh, just a, a story popped to mind while you're talking. I, I, there was a story that Josh Blythe used to tell about you showing up to your uh, interview 
with some homebrew in um, clear glass Carlton cold bottles. I don't know how how true that is, but um, it's definitely a story I've heard bandied around from time you to probably time. Know, you probably know JB well enough not to believe too much of what that man says. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it was true. Uh, yeah, and, and Aaron, Aaron Heary often says it was one of the reasons why, or part of the reasons why he gave me the gig because I had enough... Um, they're kahunas, I guess. Um, if you've warned us about swearing on on the podcast, but um, do you yes, bring along, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> to bring along some of my own beer, and you know, and obviously with my background, you know, I did a little. I've done my GCBP with the IBD while I was still at the winery as well, so um, yeah. had a pretty solid production background. But bringing an average um, medicine or some sort of fest beer in clear glass to an interview, obviously, <laughs> seemed to have all good well for me. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely got nuts to do that, mate. So, <laughs> no, well done. I actually, um, I did give someone else when I was at Ballistic a job um, for their homebrew they brought in. That was Sean Astle, who now owns Future Magic, brought in a West Coast IPA that was an absolute stonker. Oh, wow. And, uh, so he got a job job through that. So well done, Sean, yeah, if you're listening, mate. <laughs> um, but um, so, Sarah, like, um, do you want to maybe just give us a bit of rundown? I don't know you as well as I know Charlie, but... Um, about yourself, your life before, you know, being a brewery owner and how it led up to you, you know, starting this journey and opening Whoopi Brewing? Yeah, no worries. Well, um, we kind of started our brewery journey here in Whoopi about two years ago or a little over, um, coming from the Mornington Peninsula. had run businesses before but really loved the, um, the craft beer um, industry and the way that businesses work together and it always felt like such a inclusive fun kind of place to be working and and the way breweries work together so we know quite a few brewery owners down on the on the peninsula and they were always talking about how they were working together and coming up with new things it was very creative um, always lots going on I think the industry's really you know continued to move and change and new things happen so really um, was quite interesting to us. So, yeah, I was working with Matt uh, Beeb down at Mornington Peninsula Brewery for a little bit, now Tar Barrel, and um, he's a fantastic supporter of um, people coming into the industry, uh, sharing his knowledge, sharing his passion, and so I think that really kicked us along to be um, to think that we could kind of come up this way and, and run something ourselves. So that's kind of how it all started and um, we landed right. in, in, in Whoopi yeah, about four years ago and started the process of trying to find a site and figure out how we could make this great craft brewery dream of ours become a bit of a reality. Right, so, so you actually moved up to Whoopi with the intention of building the brewery? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we started to build okay. out a plan when we were down um, working with Matt, kind of just figuring out how all the cogs fit together and what mm-hmm. the pieces of the puzzle look like. You know, there's far more than I realised. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no uh, shit. <laughs> but working with him and, like, really being able to quiz him and ask him any question and kind of get involved in operations down there um, when they had their had their really big site um, once Tribe had bought them was really interesting and, yeah, mm. learned a heap learned to heap doing that, which really gave us the confidence that um, him being involved, which he is involved um, in this business here, would provide us with a really good foundation and um, a good set of knowledge and wisdom to bounce things off and figure out what to do when shit goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's great. And so, like, timeline-wise, from, like, inception of idea until actually opening doors, like, do you have an estimate of, like, how long you thought you think that would have been? 
Yeah, look, from when we landed, the, the biggest thing for us was finding the right site. You know, I think mm-hmm. that um, our idea of the ideal regional craft brewery was something that had space. You know, we knew we probably needed to be in, in an industrial estate. Uh-huh. Um, so trying to find the right location that we could pull off and give people the experience that we wanted to give them was really the big thing. Um, and then, obviously, we, we ripped the guts out of this big old shed that we're in, you know, tried to make it funky, had to put yeah. a load of concrete in, you know. Had shipped. to bring me in to pull that off, the funky look. Um. <laughs> Just achieved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so probably that was a good, I would say, two and a half, three years yeah, yeah, right. From from today, um, so it definitely took us quite a while to kind of get everything organised and sorted. The the council up here hadn't really dealt with craft breweries before, so mm-hmm. kind of trying to navigate DAs and liquor licensing and you know all those things that you probably don't realise when you're starting to plan the actual yeah. functional brewery um, t- took some time. Yeah, sure. Yeah, great. And the DA process, was that, I mean, I've heard people being over 12 months on that with different councils. Obviously, it's different for you guys, but, you know, how long do you have an estimate on, what you know, from when you put your initial application in until approval? Yeah, look, for us, it definitely was probably about 12 months, I think, from when we started. There's a lot of groundwork to do to pull together all the information to get a DA in. Um, We've got a reasonable size site here, so... Yeah. Um, and as I mentioned, they had they hadn't really had an experience. They didn't really know what we were trying to achieve. So we did have to do a fair bit of groundwork to kind of really get them to understand what the yeah. operation, what the business was going to be like, how much sure. manufacturing, you know, all those sorts of things. So, but we had a yeah. great uh, we had a great contact um, in our local council who was managing our DA. So he certainly helped. Um, but yeah, it was a process. Yeah, perfect. No, that's great. And um, so the brewery now, so that now you guys are open, um, you predominantly a brew pub style. Like, do you want to just give us a little rundown of like high level uh, business model and, you know, why you chose the size equipment you do and, and the, the function of that? Yeah, sure. We, um, we're, yeah, a brew pub um, first and foremost. And I guess that was always our vision was to create a kind of a community space. We are, you know, we're regional north coast new south wales so Mm. a place where people of all ages families you know we have we have first birthdays and we have 80th birthdays here and then we have everything in between and that's certainly the vibe that we want we have lots of live music you know we bring in lots of different types of things we have you know markets and and i think that's really been the thing that um, we found people have connected to creating lots of different reasons for people to drop in and say hi and check it out. Um, drag. Yeah. Drag. We we'll had drag trivia. Drag. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've actually had a first birthday there? We did have a very big Fantastic. first birthday. It lasted about a week. Yeah, it was. Wow. So, yeah. we. Oh, no. I was talking about uh, first birthday of actually oh, like one-year-old. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. the best place for a first birthday. I know. You're Maybe so happy. You can have a chat to my wife. We've got a first birthday coming up in July. so uh, Come on down, Lockie. At a brewery, yeah, let's do it. Pop, um, pop and the down the hill and uh, leave them to it. Yes, that's it. Just roll them down and <laughs> yeah, off we go. Um, uh, and like patronage, like locals v tourists, do you think it's like 
um, sways, leans one way or the other? I think, look, certainly we have a fair bit of seasonality being where we are. So holidays, mm. we are jam-packed full of tourists yes. <laughs> and yeah. locals. And then, you know, in our quieter times, it's definitely the locals that um, keep coming back in and keep coming to try new beers and um, come to different events and, yeah, keep, keep, keep things ticking. So, Jazz, uh, like we brewed a beer last week. It would have been nearly a week ago today, actually, was it? It was. Yeah, it was. Thursday, I think. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so it must be ticking along. Do you want to, like, talk a little bit about the beer that we brewed and um, and where it's at now and, and how it's looking? Yeah, so it's ticking along all right. It's uh, moved into the sort of low, mid-7% markets. Um, you're, you're a degrees P man, so I think it's sitting around... Um, Sort of five, six degrees P this morning off the top of my head. So, oh, yeah. yeah, starting to, to move along quite nicely. Um, you know, something, as I do, I generally yeah, tend to bag anything new in the industry out relentlessly for a while until I'm not scared of it anymore. Um, <laughs> You're showing your age, mate. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, and, and black IPAs, you know, I've obviously made a couple of good ones at MASH and had a good one at Helios as well. So, and a black double has been one, of, uh, one I've been wanting to do for a while. I had to, had mm-hmm. to arm wrestle these guys um, a little bit to <laughs> get one across the line. But, um, but again, we're, our, our patronage is, is so open and, um, you know, everything we're putting on that's new, that might be out of comfort zone of what we, we generally call a craft green zone or, or patron. Um, mm-hmm. they are ripping into so um, yeah black double IPA we're sort of looking at that eight eight and a half percent um, yeah 70 BUs which was um, yeah which was something you were keen to build and obviously to chat about it um, BUs BUs <laughs> um, but yeah um, yeah and I've ebbed and flowed with with putting dark malts on you know on top of the sparge you know we did it a bit at mash because it was easy we didn't really do it so yeah. much at helios because it wasn't so easy but and it's something that you mentioned that you hadn't done a lot of so mm. you know we we went down that path which um which is looking pretty good you know it's not overly um roast dark malt forward you know i'm sure we'll drag some of those darker characters through but hopefully they'll be a little bit more subtle and be like a bit more of those og black ipas as we were talking about and you know being you know presenting dark to the eye but not necessarily so to the nose and and palate Mm. yeah because i guess like we um is uh, the intention was to actually chuck in all the dark malts uh during transfer to lauderton and um we caught up shooting the shit and uh, got yeah, distracted yeah, and we forgot ended to, up having uh, so, oh, shit. Oh. Uh, <laughs> we just had to pour, pour it in on top and <laughs> mix it in with the mash paddle. Um, but, yeah, it was good. I was actually quite impressed with the colour. The work was quite dark um, going into tank, so um, it seemed to extract enough colour. Yeah, and even um, now we were saying, you know, good. first runnings were a little bit um, perhaps lighter, um, burnt mm. red, um, burgundy mm. rather than, you know, in the final runnings I think were actually quite a bit darker so it's obviously picked up a bit through that sparge which was cool to watch yeah no it's great um just on your comment before about you know your patronage and um you know like being you know a green beer drinkers i can't remember the exact terminology you used but craft um green. craft green yeah 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 is that what you the shade of uh the grass you have out in the, on the lawn? Pretty, pretty green here you've seen it mate we uh yes um, yeah. but uh I think, um, like my experience, that uh, people are keen to try more stuff than you think. Like, I, I, I find that 
I don't know, I've been caught in the trap before. You pigeonhole, you know, people into pale ales and lagers, and they're obviously your biggest moving beers. But um, I was always of the opinion when we started Ballistic, you know, I couldn't sell a sow beer in Salisbury. And, you know, the second birthday or first birthday whenever we launched one, you know, it was a high selling beer. And um, people, you know, quite interested in trying newer stuff than we often give them credit for. So. I think um, you might be pleasantly surprised with how this beer goes. Or maybe I'm just saying that to big it up. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. And Sarah will know that, you know, as, as well as anyone, you know, having seen it firsthand. But, you know, we're starting to start to play in those softer, softer bitted pails, you know, that East Coast, um, New England styles. And, they're you know, they're quickly, again, moving to the top of the pops in, you know, our weekly sales figures. And, um, yeah. you know, I've got a stout, you know, an overtly sweet stout on that I meant to get you to have a look at last week while you're here. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Um, you know, that's got some excitement behind it already, um, mm-hmm. you know, and again, as we spoke about, I've probably been a bit um, been a bit stale in my, um, in my thought process and approach to how I go about my work. And, um, yeah, but so I'm st- we'll definitely be trying some stuff that are not normally in my wheelhouse, and that stout's probably the first look at where I'm... Um, yeah, where I'm headed. So that sweet, the sweetish stout is more like a pastry style dessert stout base that you're working with. Is that? Yeah, yeah. No, there's, there's there's no ish after the sweet. It's sweet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, very very high terminal gravity. But um, yeah, certainly that. We're going to use it as base beer. You know, I've got to get this yeah. up and running. I'm going to use the brink. I'm not a big yeast harvesting propagation man, but I'll be using the brink to run off small. Small parcels. I've got some um, some purees coming up. We've got some um, some coconut. We've got a very high end pastry chef here that's running the venue. So Jamie's going to work with me, and we'll probably put an affogato spin on it um, maybe yep. tomorrow or next week. So uh, yeah, we're nice. going to use that as a base and um, yeah, back us some of these beers. Yes, hi Ross. Yeah, that's a Ross. So what's your perspective, guys, like on the industry? I know, Charlie, you've been through a few waves of, uh, you know, market trends, but, like, it seems to me that things are moving away from bitter beers. Like, is that your perspective too? You know, well, from our perspective, you know, the sales definitely do the talking. We can Mm. see that when we do produce or Charlie produces something that's a lower bitterness, that's just got a more gentle mouthfeel and it's, you know, people just flock to it a little bit more than perhaps your typical mm. bigger bitterness beers. There's still a place for it, uh, I'm sure, you know. There's mm. a lot of people who love that, but I think when we're talking about lots of people coming in to craft breweries like ours and trying different things, um, they're probably not the beers that they're steering towards. Yeah, sure. And do you think that's, like, generational, where, like, palates are changing, or do you think it's, like, skill of brewers because there's a, you know, massive pool of breweries now maybe they're just not as balanced as once used to be or like a combination like is there any insight there or am i just barking no 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 not at all i think it's certainly um there's certainly a skill in it you know there's enough good guys around now that um and there has been for, for years now that you know are bringing these trends you know you've probably well, been to the u.s spent your fair share of time over there i guess but um mm. You know, it's a trend that's been brought back here, um, like the bitter beers, you know, but I think these guys, are, and it's no secret that Joe Public loves anything sweet, you know. There's a big sugar addiction out in the public, you know, in, in food. Mm. Um, so it's no surprise that, 
we're finding these beers are, that are only just holding a modicum of balance, if yeah, if even at all. Um, nice. But it's no wonder they're kicking off. You know, I think there's a very big. Um, and don't uh, I don't mean to offend too many craft beer drinkers here, but there's a massive sheep mentality. Um, you know, it's yeah, yeah uh, monkey see, monkey do. So I better yeah, yep. So there yeah, but definitely so still, there. there's definitely an art to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And look, and from my perspective, you know, I've been known to shoot my mouth off saying that um, beers for drinking. You know, like it sounds like such a silly, obvious comment to make, but I think it often gets missed. At times that, you know, beer is actually meant to be drunk. Uh, it's not, you know, for show or um, gimmicky necessarily. And I think that, um, uh, yeah, there is an opportunity where you can make the lower BU IPAs, hazy IPAs that are balanced and drinkable. Um, but it's a skill, as in making any beer that's balanced and drinkable, the same as a Pilsner or a Stout, etc. Um, and I think that's maybe where, you know, sometimes gets let down. Yeah, definitely. I guess it's like with anything, you know, when we're going through the bitter roll, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago, and there was some uh, some offensively bitter IPAs coming out into the market. I so, oh, well mm. done. that's great. Um, see what you've done there. But, you know, I'm done. Yes. Third of the way through my schooner. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... But yeah, I think it's on trend. Hopefully, um, I think some of it will stay around. You know, it's... Um, yeah, I don't like it. I've been openly on record for a long time. I don't like it at all. Um, it's not your jam. What like hazy, hazy beers, hazy pales, hazy IPAs? That a, was that a pun? There, the jam that you just slipped in? No, it, it wasn't. But uh, take it how you will. <laughs> um, um, no, it's not. Um, yeah, no, it's not. I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. I like beer history. I like the fact that we've got hundreds of years behind us. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's disappointing that a lot of that is getting lost. I think we spoke to you years ago, you know, it's when you're at Ballistic and I can't remember if it was a Vienna that you might have made or some sort of Munich lager that you reckon... Well, yeah, it's like you a ever fest made. beer, yep. Munich lager, yeah. And you couldn't move it. Nobody would nobody would touch it. Yes. Um, so I think it was probably it was probably one of the best beers I'd made in my career. Amazing, like, multi-6% fest beer for Oktoberfest and we couldn't sell it to save our lives. Yeah, um, yeah that's... Yeah, that's unfortunately where we're at. But um, you know, sometimes you've you know you've got to jump on the bandwagon. I've been very reluctant, probably to the um, detriment of the last two breweries I've worked for. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you know, here's a here's a new opportunity. It's you know, especially being regional. You know, we do mm. we do know that we get a big um, tourism market from Melbourne and Sydney. You know, that will bring craft palettes up here. So, you know, and those that are not here, it's a good opportunity for us to bring uh, metro metro flavour profiles um, country. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's great. I think, um, Sarah, I remember it would have been last Wednesday night, we were having dinner and um, we were talking about what things make a brewery successful and how it's not necessarily just, just beer. I mean, beer is important. But... Um, there was something you said around like planning your business around your customers and, and what they want. Like, do you want to talk a little bit about that and the approach you've taken and, and why that's allowed you guys to be successful and, and not specifically that, but anything else you think that um, is a good takeaway um, 
because I think it's really interesting. It often gets missed. There's a lot of brewery owners that do things for themselves when I think it's you, know, you kind of miss the point. So, um, yeah, what's your take on that and how you've applied it? Yeah, look, we knew that we were coming to a place that this sort of environment was pretty new. There isn't, um, wasn't a brewery and there still isn't one quite like this on the Coffs Coast. There's a brew pub, yeah. but our environment's quite different. So we knew that we really wanted, um, you know, families, kids, women, groups, all these mm. people to come into this space and, and really enjoy it and to be bringing people together who might not have normally come to a brewery before. It might be the first time that they've come. Um, so there's an element that it has to be something a bit wow, you know, you have to, we're, we're in an industrial estate in a big shed. Um, and also just making sure that we have a range of offerings that suit not only the craft beer drinkers or the, you know, guys coming in together, but that there's options and there's sweet things and there's sour things. Mm. We do have, you know, a small amount of, um, of craft distillery that are local to us. So we've got some of their yep. offerings here. So I think it's just being aware that we kind of want to have a little bit of something for everyone. So no matter who you are, you can come into this space and find something to enjoy to drink, enjoy being mm. in the environment and hopefully try something new that you haven't tried before. Yeah, great. And and look, and, and just to that point, you know, I was really impressed um, with the venue when I came in on Thursday for Brew Day, you know, like um, I've been doing this a while and, you know, we were talking over dinner about how, um, you know, it's just not enough to have a brewery in a shed anymore. Like there's so much more that needs to be, and you need to have a reason, you need to be compelling, you need to be differentiated. And I think um having seen what you guys have done with the fit out and creating a space that feels welcoming and family orientated but also like you know the branding and it all like it's easy to understand and it fits together and it like it suits your site and your and your beers and it's just like a really neat package so really impressive what you guys have done and i think um head and shoulders above a lot you know it's it's really really cool so well done uh, thank you we've worked very hard at it so thanks thanks so much yeah no no drama <laughs> that's, so, that's how we dragged charlie down from brisbane he came and he was just like oh wow this place is <laughs> cool <laughs> i want to work yeah <laughs> oh it is great and, you know the brew deck overlooking the tables and um yeah it's really cool and uh, yeah i don't know i don't want to harp on about it but marketing and we did another podcast <laughs> about is is good beer enough and um, I had a rant about marketing and branding and why it's so important and, you know, it's something you guys have nailed. So, no, really, really good job. Um, Chazza, like in my, uh, when I was an early young pup assistant brewer back in the day and I actually never homebrewed until I was a commercial brewer um, properly, which is kind of the wrong way, well, the backwards way to do it. Well, maybe not the wrong way. It's worked out okay for me, but... Um, never got you know we we're working a big productions facility and wasn't a lot of creative license that we had as brewers but um starting to homebrew allowed me to sort of you know uh, spread my wings a bit in that space but there was a lot that you taught me in those early days about recipe design and philosophy about building recipes that i've carried on through my career and even you know you know nearly 15 years later still use some of that stuff like could you just like might be just putting you on the spot but um give us a bit of a rundown of your philosophy about building recipes and layering flavors and and, and how you put things together particularly for a commercial brew like it is quite different from a homebrew setting to getting you know recipes ready for commercial like do you want to just a bit of spin on that no 
cool. Very good. Okay, <laughs> moving on. No, no. It's, I mean, it's, it's one of the. I guess it's it's my strength. It's what I bring. I'm not too sure where it comes from. You probably know enough about my diet um, to put in. <laughs> I, I had a good story about that actually. Fucking buddy, you know, you when you first moved to Brizzy, I um, invited you around for Christmas that year because oh, yeah. you just landed and my old man was over and I said, "Oh, Charlie, what?" Uh, what sort of food do you eat? You know, I'm preparing lunch for, for Chrissy, and you said uh, sausage rolls. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, was your single response to what I eat. So I don't think I made sausage rolls, but um, no, that's uh, Sausage rolls anyway. are a fine product, and um, I'm also <laughs> causing the chefs here um, much amusement. Um, they're like, hang a minute, man, you come out here, you're, you're, you're showing us beers, you're, you're ripping out all these descriptors, how things start, how things finish, and... You come and order a pizza. I literally had one for lunch today, and I said to Jamie, he just whacked that one through the till, and he said, what would you have? And I said, ham and cheese. And <laughs> he just laughed, shook his head, and walked away. Um, so, yeah, my, my food palate is very entry level, but um, I'm getting better. I'm still, yeah, I, I could go on about that for a little while, but I won't take up your podcast with my likes and dislikes and how I need to feed myself. Um, yes, sure. But, that uh, can be uh, F2, but yeah. anyway. <laughs> Uh, if there's enough questions and interest, then we're happy to revisit. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, it's all about, yeah, again, I don't know where it really came from, but I guess so. I read a few um, Bibles back in the day, Designing Great Beers by old mate Ray Daniels. That's um, done the rounds. It's, you know, I think I've got it back from Jackson when I was over at Pirate Life in, um, yeah, last year. It's got pages oh, yeah. together. I, you know, I learned a lot out of that book. Um, yeah. Certainly been in lots of different hands. Um yeah, I guess structure and, and building things in, you know, I think it's, especially as a home brewer, it's really easy to, they're not hard to pick home brewers' recipes when you go in and see that they're running seven to ten malts and, and um, you know, the hops from, you know, the whole Pacific Northwest in um, just hot side, let alone what goes in, in into dry. So, you know, I think it's really easy to overdo things. And one of the things I picked up from that book was to, you know, to, and it probably works in life as well. Work out what you need, what you're going to put in there, what's it going to bring. Um, mm. And if you can't find a home for it or a good reason for it, get it out. Um, yeah. You know, we know, again, we all probably brew the same way. You know, we all, you know, especially a lot of the old gauge crew, we all design our beers around full bags, half bags. Um, yes. <laughs> you won't see too many of us using three or five or six or seven kilos. It'll be full bags, half bags. Um yeah, apart from real dark malts. So, but yeah, it's all about structure, palate weight, um, depth of palate. Again, it's no, it's no good having, you know, spending all your budget on, you know, fifty-five dollar a kilo high-end US hops that are hard to source when you're, um, when you've got an unbalanced base beer. You know, that's, you know, might start empty, finish aggressive and bitter. It might start full and sweet, but might tail off and have nothing out the back, or it could have nothing through the middle. So. Um, structuring raw material is, is again something that just seems to come to me uh, mm. um, yeah and it's definitely my strength you know I'm not a technical brewer but designing beers and knowing how to you know I can certainly hear hear audibles I can read you know this is how I go straight to something new I'll read about it and go okay cool and then I can quickly transfer it into a recipe that doesn't take me long generally I don't faff about I generally don't revisit a lot and second guess myself a lot uh, yeah um, whether that's a good or a bad thing, I don't know, but I certainly, um, yeah, reasonably confident in my choices most of the time. No, it's good. It's great. I think the um, around like just, you know, sticking with your first thoughts or, you know, like I found some of the best beers 
that I've designed have been in a rush because you don't overthink it, you know. You know what you know and you get it down and you, you know what's going to work and you beat it together. If you overthink things, you can overcomplicate it unnecessarily. Um, yeah, no, I think it's great. It's a great approach. Um, as far as, like, scaling from, you know, homebrew, I guess, you know, the key takeaway there is um, make it simple, right? Keep it simple. If you can't, if there's no reason for it to be there or if you can't justify it, get it out, right? You don't want six base malts or two or three base malts for no reason. No, you, exactly. And you're just making your life more difficult, you know. It's, um, hmm. yeah, you're just making your life more difficult. No one wants to sit around the mill um, for hours, you know, no. milling. You know, they're not, not, it's not the most fun job. But um, but if you can find it, and some some beers certainly, you know, this pastry sour had probably six or seven different malts in it, but uh, hmm. all raw materials, you know, adjunct heavy. But, you know, I had a reason behind why, I wanted mm. it all in there, whether it be something to sit under, something to sit through the middle, something to pull in at the end. Um, yeah, so I do do it. I, I definitely do it. But um, Yeah, but there's a time and a place, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Well, look, um, Sarah, like, I guess, you know, you've been through this journey reasonably recently. Like, is there any advice for people diving in? You know, we try and target this content a little bit of people who are hoping to build a brewery or are in the process of like is there anything that people could learn or stuff that you know challenges or watch outs or any advice to anyone who's jumping into this space I feel like that's another episode too <laughs> <laughs> um, look I, you know for me the the crux of it was having someone with incredible industry experience that i knew regardless of what was going on that I could pick up the phone and be like hey Matt mm -hmm. here's what's going on and he would be able to kind of help and guide me through and I also had sure. that foundation to go in and learn in a place that had been up and running for many many years it had a great reputation mm. you know they got for me the the, the mixture of the, the brewery rights um, in terms of offering you know in space mm -hmm. food you know atmosphere so I, I felt like um it was a great place to kind of go and get that that learning and soak it all in and try and figure out how to craft something that was going to be our own so i would say yes go and go and learn from people who made all the mistakes before because you don't need to do it um yes and then i think yeah being realistic about time frames it always takes way longer and costs way more <laughs> so right you know the, the good old things but um yeah i i think having that support having surrounding yourself with great people finding a really good team and finding people who are super passionate about what they do because it's supposed to be fun right it's a craft mm. brewery like you know we didn't get into yeah. this for it to be oh you know super serious and yes it's hard work definitely but there's an element of of craft beer and and the environment that you create that should be fun and enjoyable and make people smile mm. when they come in and you know enjoy the process so good people did you ever um, yeah. hear the aaron heary um quote of we like to have fun with or we love to have fun with what we're doing but we take our fun very seriously did you I have not? Did you ever hear that one? Yeah, okay. Well, that's something that's resonated with me, and you know, Sarah's touched on it. You've touched on it as well. You know, fun keeps mm. coming up, and this is this is why we do what we do. But it is, you know, I think he worded it very well. Like it is supposed to be fun. Mm. Um, it often is not, but um, but it is serious, you know. And we, whether it be running the business, running the brewery, um, or, or whatever role you play in it, you know, it's it's. 
yeah, we take it very seriously. You know, it's to, to yeah tick those boxes and achieve those outcomes that we set for ourselves. Um, mm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, what a great note to end on. I guess um, the only other question I have for you, Sarah, is like. Uh, Knowing what you know now, would you do it again? <laughs> yes, I might tweak a few things on the way, <laughs> um, sure. but yeah, we we are super proud of the the space that we've created here and the brand that we're building and mm. the excitement that we're bringing to our region, the beers that are coming out. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I might find some more cash. <laughs> yeah, everyone needs more cash. No, all, all those things. But, yeah, we would definitely do it again. It's been an amazing journey. And I think for us, we're, you know, only 18 months in. So there's a lot more to come. Perfect. Awesome, guys. And um, before we wrap up, like this beer's coming out mid, late May at some stage. Uh, early, early to mid, uh, 11th to 12th, it's early going mid. to Cannes or probably the 12th, I think it'll go down the line. So yeah, uh, that's a Thursday, so it'll probably be available from then. Uh, yep. Yeah, so, yeah, no pressure. I've got plenty of time. Hasn't finished ferm- ferment yet. Uh, <laughs> time to get it. To well, it's the 20, 27th of April yes, today. Yeah, so you'll be right. Throw some hops in it, mate. Yep. Finish it up. That'll give you a hurry along. Um, <laughs> yeah. One VDK check, sign off on it, crash cool. There you go. Beautiful. No, that's great. Cool. Um, anything else you guys want to plug? Uh, we've got, what was the name? Are you happy to call, tell him the Moon, name for it? Yeah, yeah. Moonglade. Moonglade. Yeah. Oh, baby. Yeah, it's going to be on our online store, I think, from probably from the fr- Thursday. Yeah, Thursday the 12th. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Fresh as. Fresh as. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. Well, that's it for episode, I don't even know what episode number it is, of the Well Brewed Podcast. As always, if you have any ideas of subjects you'd like to hear about, specific questions about Charlie's diet, etc., <laughs> hit us up on Facebook or Instagram at Well Brewed, W-E-L-L-B-R-E-W-D, or email podcast at wellbrewed.com.au. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Talk soon. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Love your work. You.